It's just you, Mother Nature, you're on the river, nothing else matters, and you just enter into a zone. So I feel like with people who just experience that and just really hold on to it. Like when I'm guiding, I, the, what makes the whole day for me is seeing people's faces after we bring a fish in the boat because I know that exact feeling where their heart's pounding, they're a little shaky, you know, kind of like buck fever, you know. You're just ready. You're in that moment. And that moment is what I fly fishing to live for. Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. Today, it's my pleasure to have on the program John Peoples of AVA, also known as Arkansas Valley Adventures out of Colorado. John, thanks for uh, coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Glad you guys have me. Absolutely. So, you know, I got to admit, I've been following you a little bit on Instagram, and looks like you guys are getting into some pretty nice, uh, nice trout in your neck of the woods. Oh, yeah. We definitely have some great fish up there. Uh, there's a river down that's kind of a, a local secret. Um, but anyways, there's this multi-billionaire who, uh, bet against the stock market when it was crashing back in the day, um, and basically bet against it and then cashed out. And he bought up a bunch of land down there and then Colorado, uh, the water line and like water rights. I know in like some States, it's like the water line, so you can still wade. but in Colorado, like landowners actually own the rocks in the bottom of the river. So you can't wade, you can't anchor, you can't do nothing, um, besides float. Um, I mean, if you got a good drift, though, and you know, you know, you have someone that can control the oars good, you can get behind one of them rock eddies and kind of fish a couple holes for a little bit. But yeah, there's no anchoring systems, nothing on the river. But it's a it's a trophy trout river. He put like ten million dollars just into the river to make it a perfect trout habitat, um, with like ten foot weirs in it, some seven footers like all over the place. Um, I think they give the feed, like they feed the fish too um, at the lower part of the river, like on his private pond. Because uh, he has a section of the river where it's literally just boulders blocking off that section of the river so no boats can get into it. And it just goes through his private property. And uh, he feeds the fish there with his big old uh, pond feeders. And uh, some of those big guys like to come back out through the big old rocks. So it's fun, man. You'll go in and you'll catch some just monster fish. I mean, the whole river is lined up um, with just monster fish. It's one of those rivers where... Um, if you catch a 24 to 25 inch fish, you should probably feel a little disappointed because you know, uh, consistently they're on there around 28, 27, t- from 28 to about 30 inches. Um, so it's fun when a, a clients come out and we take them out on the river cause it's like, you know, we can almost guarantee you a 30 inch fish today. <laughs> so it makes it fun. You know, what's crazy about that is looking at the photos of the, the, the rainbow trout that you're holding up. I'm thinking, how are those guys getting that big and moving water? And there's some hogs. Oh Yeah. Wow. So tell me a little bit about that piece of water. So obviously not a lot of traffic on it if it's kind of privately owned, right? And the first public access point is literally like right before a big reservoir, a big old dam. And you have to lower your boat down a cliff, about a hundred, hundred foot cliff. And then you have someone to drop into that rope and then lower themselves down on the rope and down onto the boat. And then you'll lower it down the next 20, 20 or so feet. 
And then the next person walked all the way around down this steep part of the mountain. That's really sketchy. But if you can make it past that point, you're good. So it's a class five put in. Um, so it's kind of sketchy at first. But once you get right past that first class five part, um, it's pretty smooth. It's about 15 miles of water. It's an all-day float. Um, you're on the river. You know you're putting in at 8 o'clock, not taking out to like 37 o'clock. Um, but it's a great day of fishing. You're catching hogs all day. Just fish you couldn't believe are actually in the water. And a lot of them still are. Like, I mean, it's the whole river, too. It's not even just like that That certain section that we go in. Um, it's probably a good two miles worth of river. Uh, we call it Jurassic Park, and that's just where the fish are just huge. Every fish in there is at least around 30 inches. But even all up the whole river, you'll, you're catching wild natural trout that are still 24, 25 inches, you know, that don't really feed off of, off of the feeder food. But... I mean, you've got some of those big old hogs in there that have been eating good for a little bit. So it's fun catching those on the fly rod, man. I tell you what, you'll be fighting that fish for about 15, 20 minutes sometimes. So for those that haven't been fortunate enough to fish uh, the Arkansas, tell us a little bit about that river and exactly where it runs. Oh, man, so it's beautiful. Uh, It's right up here in Colorado. It's the upper Colorado River. Um, It runs, I mean, it runs basically the whole state, but that section right there, it's just up by kind of Kremlin, Colorado, Silverthorne, Colorado. Um, it's probably good hour, hour and a half away from Denver. Um, if you're trying to look in uh, more towards the west, so it's like west of west of Denver, about an hour and a half, and that's where you're seeing that good action. I mean, it's real beautiful scenery. We've got one of the most fish per mile in all of Colorado up there. Um, I mean, the scenery is really just one for the it's breathtaking i mean you go and you see red rocks you'll see pines the willows different sections of bends in the river just provide different wildlife you know you got mountain sheep mountain goats um elk deer antelope all over the place you'll see some big old moose it's just like a spot that you really can't even like put in words it's just every time you're out there it's something new something great and it's just an experience you'll never forget that's for sure so tell me, tell me, John, a little bit about the fish in that water system. Are we talking strictly rainbows, or you got browns? What's what's in there? Yeah, so we got a little bit, a little bit of everything for the trout wise. Uh, mainly, it's just going to be big browns, big rainbows. Um, there's a few white fish, but the population's so little that it's actually they're considered endangered, and that's what kind of makes a benefit for our rivers because since there's endangered fish in the water, they got to keep the flows up all year round. So when all the other rivers are drying up, we're, our river stays consistently flowing all year round. So we're seeing that, a lot of good action in that. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of just big old browns and big old rainbows. Um, few white fish, not really too many like sucker fish or anything like that off of the rivers. And then it's all like catch and release, bait free. So um, it's mainly used for fly fishing. Um, that's what a lot of those people use it for. I know some people will spin casts and stuff on it, but for the most part, you see just a lot of fly fishermen out there. I'm real curious to know how guiding kind of got going for you, John, as far as uh, in your area. How, how did it all start? Man, so it's crazy how it all started for me. You know, I was, I grew up in kind of this crazy world that was mixed. Uh, my mom is all country, and then my dad's side is all like crazy. No one's doing stuff with their life. Um, so I'm the only one to graduate. But my grandpa actually was the one who got me into fishing, um, just going up and spending summers with my grandpa. Um, he would always take me out and, uh, take me fishing. It was funny. So he was a bigger guy. Um, he was like 400 pounds. Um, kind of what ended up leading to his death and everything. Um, but yeah, he was like 400 pounds, big old guy, you know, he'd hang out his truck window and then he would throw in his fishing pole 
and he'd send me down there with a net and literally wait till he got a fish and then I'd bring it up to him because he would be uh, parked on a bridge. And so he'd just drop his pole over the bridge and I'd go down, scoop the fish up, bring it up to him. Or if it was like little or enough, he would just pull it, reel it all the way up to the truck. But I mean, that's just kind of how that all started, just traditional wise. It's always going out with my grandpa, going fishing, kind of having those memories. And that's kind of where it started. And I started falling in love with it, just being out in the country, in the wilderness, away from the city life. It was like a place I could escape, get away from all the nonsense that was going on in real life. And I, I just get out there and I just hit this whole nother world where it's just me, the river, and nothing else matters. Yeah, you know what? That I love the sounds of that office. Oh, yeah, it's a great office. <laughs> <laughs> so do, do you do a lot of tying yourself? Yeah, actually, I do. Uh, I tie most of my own flies because I just feel like there's nothing better and more rewarding than catching something off of something that you actually made. Um, I struggled uh, starting out with it. Uh, it took me about a good probably a year and a half before I really started getting good and uh, staying consistently with uh, catching fish on my flies, but I mean, I love tying. I'll, I'll throw together just random patterns sometimes just to see, like, hey, I wonder if this is going to work. Looking for that million-dollar fly, you know, that's going to catch me all the fish all the time. Yeah, I hear you on that one. So what do you use on the Arkansas, one of your favorite go-to patterns that you'd be tying at the bench? Oh, I love mayflies. Any parachute atom pattern, stuff like that, that just eats it up. Uh, another always good go-to I like is just a gnat. And believe it, like, sometimes these gnats are so simple um, I've actually caught fish just with literally a, one black yarn thread just attached to the hook. Made to imitate a gnat when the hatches are going crazy. Just like any little thing like that, been killing it. I love using gnats and just dry fly action. But I also do a lot of good things with streamers too. I like big articulated streamers. You know, a lot of flash, using a lot of that flashable material. Um, real big feathers, you know. Um, I like that when I'm going out trying to catch some pike. I'll use like a good six inch lure out there trying to get out there but you got pike in that river as well uh not on the river part the pike are in like some of the lakes that was when i just go up lake fish and we'll go and throw some pike but not on the rivers yeah yeah huh that sounds pretty so are you mostly drift on the river is there any walk and wade or how, how does a, a guiding day on the river go for you yeah so like uh when we're not on that private section uh it's there's there are opportunity to wade fish if you want um a lot of the sections, though, like up at the beginning part of our sections, that's where I like to call it the city, where you'll have a fisherman every five yards for a little bit, and it's annoying. So I just drift in the middle, and we'll be snagging fish because we actually know where the holes are, uh, where they're just standing right in the hole, scaring all the fish out. Uh, so a lot of the times I'll wait for a guy to leave, pull up right where he was at, right above him, and just fish down into the hole, and we'll be snagging fish all day just because a lot of the time, it's just with the presentation, I'll see guys uh, – that's where a lot of the times I'm seeing them lose fish. It's just they're not having that presentation set up well, and they're just missing bites. Um, so I like to just go, and we'll drift most of it. But a lot of the time I'll anchor just right above a hole where I know, all right, consistently there's always a couple of fish laying right around here. Is it legal to use droppers in Colorado, or is it uh, one fly? No, yeah, you can use double flies. I fish three flies sometimes. Uh, I like to fish the whole cycle here sometimes. So I'll throw on a nymph, I'll throw on a merger, and then I'll throw on a big old dry or like a stimulating pattern at the very top one just to try to fish all the columns. But, no, I like throwing hopper droppers, man. Hopper droppers been killing it, especially all of July and uh, coming into that late August run. We are killing it on hopper droppers. And when you get into the streamer fishing for some of those bigger guys, what uh, what are you trying to imitate there? Oh, man, just really like a good bait fish. Like a lot of those big fish that you're seeing on my Instagram page, we're all caught off the streamer. 
Um, there was only one of them that bit on the nymphs. That was the brown. But those other big rainbows, they took the streamer. And I'm just really trying to imitate a bait fish. Um, a lot of the times I'll throw like a rainbow pattern or like a muddler minnow. Um, get one of those out, but more of like flashy, just that typical sparkle, a uh, little pink in it. Um, but really just that great flashy, you know, silvery type of color, anything kind of imitating a little rainbow. And they just, they love the chase. I was even, uh, there's one fly I threw together. Um, it was kind of a crazy pattern I made up, you know, I threw on a big old, um, big old, uh, what was that? I can't remember the weight, uh, but big old eyes on it. And then basically just feathers out, just a whole bunch of feathers going out everywhere. And then I threw on a bunch of like rubber leg material. And so it literally was just like so much rubber leg that it looked like the rubber was around the whole thing. I always had a picture of it. I'm going to start posting some. But that fly that I tie right there, I don't know what it is about it, but they love it and it goes crazy. What yeah, do you call that? Where I caught, oh, I just I just call it the special. The I was special. like, well, the Big Mac special, we call it. But we're like, you're going to use the Big Mac? I'm like, yeah, let's use it. Because it's like a good five, six inch like fly. And I was... I'd usually use it if I'm going out for, you know, my pike fishing and stuff, but they they seem to love it on the blue. So, I mean, we'd be killing it with that. We're talking today with John Peoples of AVA, uh, Arkansas Valley Adventures out of Colorado. And, John, I'm curious, uh, one thing I always like to ask my guests on the program is if, if you could change one thing about fly fishing, what would Man, it be? That's a tough question. If I could change one thing, I'd probably be getting more people into it. Um, it's just one of those sports where when you are there and you know what you're doing, it's a, it's a challenge like no one else's business. you got to figure out what flies are hatching, what bugs, what insects are moving around in the water. you got to figure out what fish are in that area and what type of fish are eating because there's been times where I'll throw on like a purple bug or like a purple midge and I'll only catch brown. And then I throw on a different color and I'm only catching rainbows. Um, it's just something like tranquility about it. It's just you, Mother Nature, you're on the river, nothing else matters, and you just enter into a zone. So I feel like with people who just experience that and just really hold on to it. Like when I'm guiding, I, the, what makes the whole day for me is seeing people's faces after we bring a fish in the boat. Because I know that exact feeling where their heart's pounding, they're a little shaky, you know, kind of like buck fever, you know. You're just ready. You're in that moment. And that moment is what I fly fishing and live for. And I feel like getting people into that moment and into that zone will just expand the sport and we'll see it just take off, you know, from, I feel like more development with the rods. I mean, there's so many great rods out there. I can't even, I mean, I've used so many great expensive rods. I've used cheap rods that are great. Um, I mean, they all work for me. It's just about getting out in mother nature, enjoying your time with her and uh, just being real with yourself, you know, catching some fish and, having a good time that's all that's what it's really all about man i think that's got to be i mean as a as a guy that's not a guide that's got to be one of the most rewarding aspects of what you do is putting somebody into fish and it's it's not even just the fish the setting in which they're sitting in it's just amazing mm-hmm. yeah it's hard especially when i get these first timers out here because i'll run like a casting clinic beforehand and it's hard because a lot of them are used to worm fishing where they're thinking they got to let it bite a couple times before they set the hook and I'm like, no, when we're nymphing, you see that indicator move, you got to strike, man. Uh, those fish will nip and split it out quicker than you know. You'll be missing bites left and right. So the biggest thing for me is just really being able to teach in my casting clinics the easiest way possible to get these guys on fish. And really, the easiest way I found out is just like the pick up and set down method. I mean, I literally have them pick it up at 12 o'clock. 
move it behind them and set it down and let the river take it down for you. You know, let the river do the work mm. and make it look as natural as possible. Keep that presentation looking good. You know, we're going to just be snagging fish. Now, is, is it sometimes hard to teach people to drag free drift on the, on the dry? It is. It is. It's really hard just because um, a lot of people think you need a lot of power to do fly fishing. You know, they really think you're trying to go back, you know, forever and come forward. And they're trying to do the 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 whole thing they see in the movies and the videos and stuff. When really we just need to focus on the basics. Um, so it's hard getting someone to just settle down and to learn the basics of the fundamentals of why you got to cast this way to get a natural drift, why you got to mend, why you got to do this. It's like, it's just all process. And, you know, it's just that it can be a little stressful at first when you're getting that overload. So, you know, I just try to, I say, keep it simple, you know, just mm-hmm. up, pick up, set down, you know, with beginner wise. But I mean, if once we, like, usually when I have people that have been fishing before, know what they're doing, know how to cast, I'll tell them, I'm like, all right, throw right here, river left, throw behind that rock river, right? As we're going down the whole river. And, you know, if you know how to cast and you can put it right where I'm telling you, you're going to be snagging fish all day with me. You know, and that's how it usually goes. You know, if you're a beginner, we usually catch, you know, we'll still catch fish, bring some fish to our boat, but, you know, not as much as we'd like, but we'll still bring in a couple. But if you really know what you're doing, we'll bring in, you know, you'll have a one of the fishing days that you'll remember for the rest of your life. There's been times where I've caught 52 fish in a day off of two flies. It's just when it when you got the right fly, it's a magical day, man. Yeah, that's and when you dial it in, there's nothing like it. Oh, yeah, it's great. I'll go and I'll screen the rivers a lot of the times before my trips just so I make sure what's going on, what's nymphing. I'll check on the rocks, you know, really just try to set my customers up for the best success. I think that's something, too, that differentiates uh, the average angler to somebody that does it for a living. You're looking a little deeper, aren't you? Yeah, I'm really digging down in. I'm really trying to see that bug cycle. You know, even the are they in the emerger phase? Are we gotten bugs on the top eight inches bouncing off the water? You know, when I did my screen, did I do my screen at the very bottom or did I do it at the top river? Like, am I trying to fish the first 24 inches? Like, I feel like this is a lot more breaking down that you focus on to really set yourself up for success to catch as many fish as possible. Where I think the average angler, you know, he's out there for a great time. If he catches fish, great. If he doesn't catch fish, great. You know, where this is my livelihood, I'm, I want to make sure that every customer that leaves with me can say they caught a fish on my boat. That's my goal. Every trip I go out, you know, I know it's great. We're out here, you know, the nature, that's all great. But, you know, the real experience while you came out here is the, the experience, that feeling you get when you have a fish on and can get it to the boat um, so i feel like uh i'm just out here trying to chase that feeling for everyone yeah that's cool hey you might have alluded to this a little bit earlier john but uh you know the most influential person in your fly fishing who who would that be um that would probably be my grandpa um he was the one that got me into fishing and got me into the outdoors and wanting more you know i was just little seven eight year old city boy coming to uh star valley wyoming and uh it's the middle of nowhere <laughs> and he was able to you know get me into fell in love with the country way you know hunting fishing just being out in the outdoors and you know he really got me started with it all when i was a young boy you got any crazy fishing stories from your time on the arkansas you want to share i got one crazy story it's uh so we were up fishing this wasn't on the arkansas this was up in wyoming uh, this is right off the Snake River. I don't know if you know where that's at. Um, yep. But we were up there for a backpacking trip, and we went up overnight. It's about an eight-mile hike up to this lake. So we took the pack horse. It was me and my cousin. Um, on our way up, 
you know, you go over some steep, pretty steep mountain faces, and um, our horses started getting spooked. We were setting up for camp. We didn't know what was going on, so we were like, all right, we'll, we'll probably need some water or something. So we just took them out, couldn't see what was wrong with them. And uh, where you get about probably 100 yards from camp, and all of a sudden we see a mama grizzly pop out, and we're like, oh, okay, that's, that's the exact reason why it happened. And then all of a sudden, we keep going. We're trying to go away from it. She keeps walking towards us. We're not really knowing what's going to happen. We don't have no weapons on us. We left everything back at camp already. We're just going to try to take our horses down for some water. And as soon as we get get there, our horses start going crazy. She gets about 25, 30 yards from us. My cousin gets bucked off of his horse. I'm trying to hold on to mine and settle him down. Mine takes off running. I'm trying to hold on to it, stay on it. My cousin's down on the ground, and the pack horse is behind us. The Grizzly's literally probably now about 10 yards from my cousin, coming in now steadily, showing its teeth. And literally the pack horse went right between him and my cousin, and Bear started chasing the pack horse. My cousin was able to get up and run away, and I was able to finally get my horse under control, turn it back, and we just I heard and took off, picked him up, took back off the camp. But we packed up and decided just to go back down. We weren't trying to mess with the Grizzly in that area that close. Um, wow. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was thrilling. I thought for sure we were going to have something go bad, but I think we were just lucky enough to get out of there. And then the next day, we ended up catching like 30, 40 fish. So uh, we went back just. And, Did your horse you get your horse yeah, back? Yeah, not for a whole week. Yeah. So it was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So we weren't trying to stay the night there. So went fishing in a different spot the next day, caught like 40, 30, 30 40 fish. It was pretty solid, but. Yeah, we thought the horse was gone. We thought the bear had got the pack horse, too. We are like, all right, well, we got two horses gone, so that sucks. And then literally, like, a week and a half later, some hunters found them. And we finally wandered down and called into the fishing game, and we were able to get them back. But, yeah, it's pretty it was one of those things where we were definitely panicked and lucky enough to get out of there unhurt. But That's one of those moments you don't see coming. Yeah, right? exactly. So there's yeah. definitely – I've definitely take bear spray now with me at all times. It's one of those moments that – uh, it definitely impacted the rest of my life. <laughs> so I won't be leaving anywhere without bear spray from now on on my trip. It's kind of one of the things I do as well. Well, when you're in that neck of the woods and uh, a lot of areas that we fish, you you, you need it, right? So I got to ask you, uh, Broncos fan or uh, not? Well, actually, I actually got a chance with the uh, New Orleans Saints. Geez, man, I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm a huge Broncos fan. I thought, this guy's in Colorado. He's got to be all about the orange and blue. Yeah. No, yeah, I got one of my uh, good friends is actually on the Broncos right now. He's a cornerback. Um, oh, yeah, what's his name? Lane. Yeah, cool. Yeah, no, they're 1-0. Hey, your Saints had a tough goal last yeah, year. Yeah, man. I, I was hoping for better. I think they'll still pull one out. I think they'll, I, they can still pull it out because last year was a fluke with that missed tackle. Vikings ran away with it. They got lucky. Yeah. So somebody wants to get out. In your neck of the woods on the Arkansas Valley, um, what's the best way to get a hold of you and uh, take up your guidance? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can get a hold of me on my Instagram. It's uh, fish on that. Literally just out down fish underscore on that. Uh, that would probably be the easiest way. If not that, I could probably give you guys my number if, if that works out. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure they can probably go online too. What is it, Arkansas Valley Adventures or AVA? Yeah, you can check out AVA Rafting. Um, you can go ahead and give them a call and uh, just ask town basically you're directing for uh the fishing trip it's kind of a little more complicated with them just because you'll have to be transferred around a little bit but okay. just ask for fishing trips and they'll direct you to me hopefully and we'll get you all taken care of um other than that you just go on fish on that check out the instagram page and we got you know our website on there and information contact information all that good jazz or if you want to just go out with me take you on a trip for free 
We got a chance right now for uh, people winning a free trip on our social media page. You know, if you share our page, give us a shout out, all that good jazz. You know, we're giving away a free trip right now. That's John Peoples. Fish on that on Instagram, AVA Arkansas Valley Adventures. Um, you guys also, actually, I did notice that you do a lot more than fly fishing through that. Isn't there like some zip lining and all kinds of other outdoor yeah, activities? Yeah, we do a whole bunch of stuff. We do. We got zip lining. We got, we got the number three rapid in America, in North America, um, on the river as well. Um, that's called Gores Canyon. It's all class five, even a class six, 12-foot waterfall drop. We got zip line in. There's great 14ers if you're in the hiking mountains and all that stuff. So we offer hiking trips, horseback trips. Next year, we'll be doing those Razor ATV trips. So, I mean, our company's really just growing and expanding, and we're taking off. So, I mean, if anything outdoors, we're trying to be a part of it, and we're trying to do it. Just about a half-hour drive from the Denver airport. You can be uh, in God's country and getting into some beautiful bows and some beautiful browns. John, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. You betcha, man. Go St. Yep, you know it. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or a topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.